chapter number four, if you're there. Mark chapter number four. There are a lot of uh, different stories in this passage of Scripture that we're going to read. A lot of different uh, messages could be preached. A lot lot of different lessons could be taught. But I want to take them all together and challenge you tonight with this thought, catching Christ's greatest lesson on soul winning. Now, you've heard the phrase, more is caught than is taught. As students of God's Word, Jesus will teach and will tell us directly through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, will tell us, thou shalt not. You should do this. And there are a lot of those verses or phrases in Scripture that we take uh, that we take for uh, its literal translation, not that this isn't. But as I read this, this story here, there is something that Jesus is trying to get His disciples to catch. He doesn't necessarily come out and say it. Now, I'm not putting words in Jesus' mouth here, but, but through this course of this story, Jesus is teaching them very, very valuable lessons culminating in what I think is the greatest about soul winning. Think about it for a second. The disciples. Some of these guys were fishermen. Some of these guys were... Uh, the, Matthew was a tax collector. We don't know much about... Uh, Thaddeus or James. We don't know much about Judas. We don't know much about them in the past. We, we do know that um, some, of, some of the Peter and Andrew were fishermen. We know that some of them used to follow John the Baptist. So some of them were learned, I guess you could say, in the scriptures, knew of the Old, time, the Old Testament prophecies. But you have this group of guys from all different backgrounds that Jesus calls to himself and then brings them here in Mark chapter number 4 across the sea and into chapter number 5. And this great lesson that he's teaching his young disciples is something that they would carry with them, if they applied it, would carry with them for the rest of their earthly ministry. Let's begin in verse number 35 of chapter 4. We're going to read until chapter 5, verse 20. So stay with me if you would. And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. 
And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000, and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And departed, and he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Lord, I pray tonight that as we open your word, that our hearts would be open. God, I pray tonight we would not just go through the motions. I pray that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that we'd learn from your word. God, teach me, teach us how to be better soul winners, how to be aware of those around us, and we'll thank you for it. Lord, I pray that every word that's said tonight would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We get to verse number 35 of chapter 4, and Jesus and his disciples are leaving I guess what we could call a modern-day Bible conference. There is a multitude of people. This, uh, I like to call it the Kingdom Conference because Jesus is teaching these people, these multitudes of people, about the Kingdom of God in the beginning of chapter 4. The Bible tells us that there were so many people that Jesus had to get in a boat in the Sea of Galilee and back out just, just enough so that people could, uh, could see, all the people could see Him and hear Him. And so they're in this conference, this, this great group of people, this, what the Bible calls a multitude of people surrounding Christ and his disciples and listening to sound doctrinal teaching about the kingdom of God. You've been to Bible conferences before, no doubt. Those are exciting times. There's a lot of energy in that room. There's a lot of power in that preaching. There's a lot going on in those conferences. And then Jesus takes his disciples, verse number 35, in the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. It's always been interesting to me as I read this passage. You know, Jesus left a great ministry opportunity, as we'll see here in a minute, for a man possessed with demons. He left, he left thousands of people that were eager to hear his word and went over to the other side to meet a man that was possessed with demons. I've always, that's fascinated me. Because in my heart, I'd want to stay in the conference. 
I'd want to stay where there was a lot of energy. I want to stay where there's a lot of people. That, that powerful preach, and I want to stay there. Well, Jesus, though, as he takes his disciples away from that, he's teaching them something about the greatest work they'll ever do on this earth, and that's sharing the gospel with those around them. And he begins in verse number 35, and I believe this is where he begins to teach his disciples this lesson. This lesson about soul winning. Now, he starts with a very simple one that we all know, but it's still great. Verse 35, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let, what's the next word? Let, let, let us. The first lesson Jesus is teaching his disciples here is this, let us pass over. As Jesus sends his disciples, the disciples here are learning what, what their call is going to be. Jesus says this, I am not just going to send you, I am going to go with you. Let us pass over to the other side. Now the disciples, maybe they had heard some of the prophecies telling that Jesus would die on the cross, and no doubt Jesus will tell them in his ministry that he would leave them uh, later on in, in each gospel account, Christ sits with his disciples and says, there's going to be a time where I leave. But he's telling his disciples here, right off the bat, I am going to go with you. I will be with you. The Bible has so much to say about that. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I love that, 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 that quaint little lesson that Jesus begins teaching his disciples. Let us go over. You know, as I go, as we go, as we share the gospel with those around us, so often um, I forget the fact that I'm not supposed to do it in my own power. I forget the fact that I cannot use man's wisdom. Hold your finger here if you would. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul here is teaching the church in Corinth of the preaching of the cross. Verse number 18. Uh, let's go back to verse number 17. For, the, for Christ, Paul speaking, sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. What's that telling me? That's telling me it is not a work that I can do on my own. It must be done with the power of Jesus Christ. A power that through the Holy Spirit, God and God alone directs my words, directs my conversation, directs everything about my opportunity to share the gospel straight towards the cross. Jesus says, let us pass over. There's a lot in that little word there, but what he's telling them is this, I will go with you. Then he continues, he says this, let us pass over unto the other side. It wasn't enough that Jesus and his disciples were there on that shore teaching the people that were eager to hear his word. No, Jesus said, we've got to go find them. You've got to follow, I'm going to go with you, you've got to follow me, but we've got to go find them. We've got to go over unto the other side. We've got to get out of our comfort zone where it is that people are liking what we're hearing, and we've got to go to the other side where it may not be so. I remember in college, there's a ministry there at Crown College in Powell, Tennessee, called the UT Ministry. We'd go on Thursday nights and on Monday, well, Monday nights was the Bible study, Thursday nights and sometimes Saturday mornings, we'd just go onto the University of Tennessee campus, and we'd walk around and we'd meet people, just kind of bump into them, and start conversations. Some guys went to the UT Ministry just to find girls. I get it. There was one time I remember, a buddy of mine went, we were walking, uh, we were walking oh, near, near Neyland Stadium, and this one guy walks by us, 
And uh, I don't remember how the conversation started, but uh, we got into a, a pretty good conversation. Just talking about football, you know, everybody, everybody in, UT, in Tennessee loves UT, even though they really, really stink. And uh, we started talking about football, and somehow we led into the conversation of the gospel. And um, this young man was an atheist. He came to church with us, and uh, I'm not sure that he trusted Christ as a Savior. But I remember thinking, you know what? If I had stayed in my dorm that night, I would not have run into this young man. If I had stayed and done my homework like I was supposed to have done, and not watching movies or not going and playing basketball, not doing that kind of stuff. If I had stayed in my dorm, I would not have had that opportunity. Jesus says, all right, guys, you know what? This is comfortable. There's a lot of people here, but it's time to go. We've got to remove ourselves from this comfort zone because there's something over there that you don't know about. There's somebody there that needs what we have. We've just got to make this uncomfortable for a little while. We've got to go find them. He continues, he goes through this, and, and we know the story. They get in the ship, and they're caught in the storm. Uh, verse number 38, and he was in, Jesus, in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I've got to be easy on the disciples here, because they're still new to this Messiah manifested in the flesh thing. They forgot for a second that they had God in the flesh, in their boat. And in my mind, I want to say, duh, what do you think is going to happen? Jesus is in your boat. Do you think that boat's really going to capsize? Do you really think that that's going to sink? And I've got to be careful, because the truth is, that same fear is present in my heart a lot. God, where are you? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. This third lesson he's trying to teach them is this soul-winning endeavor. It requires faith, not fear. How many of you, like me, are, are sometimes afraid to talk to somebody about Christ? I'll be honest. It's not easy. My personality, in some ways, might be inviting. It might be standoffish. I don't know. But I think all of us have that apprehension when we walk up to somebody, knowing that we have what they need, and searching for that faith to give it to them. On their way to this greatest lesson, Jesus is teaching them, look, you need faith. You need to do away with fear. How many of us this week, I thought about this when I was reading through my notes again this afternoon, I thought about this. You know, there was one person this week that I knew, I knew, that I should have talked to. I had the opportunity. It's kind of quiet in here. You know what I'm talking about. I should have. But my fear was stronger than my faith. You know, in 1 Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy about this very thing. He says, God's not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In that moment, when I knew I should, it was at a gas pump, when I knew that I should have done something, I forgot about the power. I definitely forgot about the love, and I forgot about the sound mind because my fear was stronger than my faith. 
And in that moment, I was just like the disciples. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Hold on. <clears throat> the creator of the universe <coughs> is asleep. He's rested in a storm. He's taking a time out from a busy schedule and is relaxed and is at peace. And they forgot who that was. As I was reading through this, I thought about that woman at the gas pump. I said, you know, in my heart, Lord, forgive me because I forgot about who you are. I forgot about that. They get to, uh, they get to verse number um, 39. He arose and rebuked the wind. And in that rebuke, I don't think it was just the wind that was being rebuked. <clears throat> Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They continue, verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this? Remember now, they're just learning. <clears throat> they're just getting used to this ministry that Jesus has. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 5, <clears throat> excuse me, and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. Now, we know this story, the maniac of Gadara. No doubt you've heard messages preached about this guy, the new dude in a rude mood. That, that guy, all right? <clears throat> the disciples would never forget him, right? This guy was, it's one of those, whoa, wow moments, all right? And we read a little bit about him here. Uh, it's interesting what, what Mark, as he's penning this, it's interesting what, um, what he records about this guy. Listen to it. Uh, he was coming out of the ship. Immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. Mark here records um, uh, some, some very crucial pieces of information about this man. This man, as he, as he comes to Jesus, they notice uh, different things about him, and it's calling to attention to these disciples, calling to their attention the fact that just by looking at him, he didn't fit. Just by his appearance, or by what he was known to be, by his testimony, he just didn't fit with them. And you know what Jesus is teaching his disciples here and, and teaching us too? That was you at one time. That was me at one time. Look at it. Out of the tomb, signifying this, this life among de amongst death. Bound with chains. Bound with fetters. Does that sound familiar? Hopefully a distant familiar. But there was a time in my life where that was me. <clears throat> you know what Jesus is teaching his disciples? Soul winning requires us to remember that we are nothing without Christ. Requires us to remember that we used to be in that place before we met Christ. It requires us to remember our chains, our fetters, our bonds to have that compassion for that lost soul that we're looking straight in the eye.
He says to his disciples, don't forget where I saved you from. Don't forget what I brought you out of. You know what, if we stopped and thought about it, not dwelling on our sin, not dwelling on what we used to do, but dwelling on where we were and where we are now by the grace of God, if we would just stop and think about that a little bit more, <clears throat> I bet you, we, myself included, would all be more soul conscious. Somebody had to share it with you. Have you done that recently for someone else? I've always, since we started coming here, I've always admired the track count. I love it. I love it. There always can be more. More people. More involvement. Think about it. That used to be you. June 8th, 2006 is when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was a teenager. Because of that day, I know that my home is in heaven. We could go around the room here and each of us call out that day, hopefully. If not, today could be the day. <clears throat> we could go through that time in our life and just recall that peace, that joy, that, that brand new fellowship that was our relationship with God. And you know what that always does in my heart? Man, I just want to tell somebody about it. Man, I, 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 I wish I could just give somebody a track in that moment. But you know what happens between now and when that moment could be? The Green Bay Packers play, or the Atlanta Braves play, or somebody cuts me off in the road, or all of these things and distracts me from that overwhelming sense of necessity that I had when I started thinking about the fact, you know what? That was me. He's telling his disciples, don't forget. Go down to uh, verse number 14. This is when the swine fled and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. You know what he's calling his disciples to right here? This is the fifth thing. Follow me. Go find them. Don't be afraid. Don't forget. He says, and don't forget that during this soul-winning endeavor, you've got to maintain your fellowship with me. Notice how they were afraid. What were they afraid of? What, what caused that fear to enter their mind? Well, they saw this man sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. I turn that around in my mind to think, well, if I was in my right mind, then I'd be fellowshipping with Jesus. And as far as I know, don't tell me if it's different, I'm in my right mind. <clears throat> so therefore, I should be fellowshipping with Jesus. Why is it that the faith, the trust that we placed in Jesus Christ to save our souls is so soon forgotten when we wake up in the morning. And I'm talking to myself right here. I'm not trying, I'm being transparent. I forget that that faith, that very relationship should drive me to the pages of God's Word. Why is it that that fellowship is so often rushed? Why is it it's forgotten? 
Why is it that it's not made priority? Why? Because something else has got my mind. Sitting clothed in his right mind, he's calling his disciples to this. Look, don't forget to fellowship with me along the way. But none of these are the greatest lesson that he's teaching them. I think there's one more. He's teaching them <clears throat> they've got to follow him. They've got to go over and find him. They've got to have faith, not fear. They can't forget where they came from. They've got to have fellowship. But look at this, if you would. <clears throat> Let's start in verse number 16. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil. And also concerning the swine. <clears throat> they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to, depub to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. <clears throat> it's interesting how when we meet this man, he is the maniac of what? The maniac of Gadara, a single city. One location that he was known for. But look at what happens when Jesus gets a hold of him. He departed and began to, and began to publish in where? Decapolis. Decapolis was a group of ten cities. Satan had his influence bound to one location, but Jesus took him and multiplied it tenfold. And I think this is what Jesus is teaching his disciples. The greatest lesson he, he could teach them is this. Don't ever, remember they just left this conference, this huge multitude gathering of people. Don't ever underestimate the value of just one soul. Don't ever forget that Jesus saves one at a time. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Don't ever underestimate the value of just one soul, of just one person that trusts Christ. Oh, sure, we'd love it if dozens, hundreds would come. We'd love that. But sometimes that one person is the one that's going to make the difference. I'm sure you've heard the story. A Sunday school teacher was walking down the street, passing back and forth in front of a, 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 shoe, a shoe shop. Knowing that the Holy Spirit was tugging at their hearts to go and share the gospel with a young man inside. Struggling with this fear over faith. A Sunday school teacher decides to go in, being tried on for shoes, and, and takes a moment to begin to share with this young man that they had met, the gospel. And over the course of the next several minutes, over an hour, led this young man to Christ. Somebody who may have otherwise have been overlooked, passed over, but because that Sunday school teacher took it upon themselves to obey, to follow Christ, to go and find them, to have faith over fear, to not forget where they came from, to fellowship with Christ and to not underestimate the value of one. Because of that, D.L. Moody got saved. 
You ever heard of D.L. Moody? Most of us have. One person. Some history books record that over a million people were influenced by the ministry of D.L. Moody, all because that one soul was valued. What's Jesus teaching them there? Don't underestimate that one person that comes to Christ. Don't underestimate what God can do with that person. And you know, can we get a little bit more personal? Don't underestimate what God can do with you. But I'm just one. We're all just one. One that God sent His Son to die for, that loves us, cares enough about us to desire and, and, and wants us to fellowship with Him. And He can use us. He can use you. Lord, thank You for this time in Your Word. I pray that You would please take it, that Your Word would not return void. Lord, we, we thank You. I claim that promise that it will not. I pray that You would seal these things in our heart. God, make us all better soul winners. I pray that we would be mindful of uh, the lesson that You're teaching here. And as we go from this place, give us opportunity this week to share your word with somebody around us. In Jesus' name we pray. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.